On the Gravidile podcast this week, I am pleased to be joined by Dove. He is the co-founder of Kujira. A lot of you might remember Kujira as one of the biggest, largest apps on the original Terra network. They have joined the broader Cosmos world. They have developed their own application-specific blockchain, a project that I've been incredibly excited to speak about, uh, speak with Dove about. And I know their ethos is that they want to give you know everyday investors the tools of whales. And we're going to speak about that, how that's contributing to the aspects of decentralization. Before we get into that, Dove, first off, thank you so much for coming on. And then just how are you doing? Hey, only a pleasure, man. It's lovely to chat. Um, we chatted briefly before this and yeah, it's, it's actually good to to finally speak to you. I know you guys were doing some cool stuff on Terra and, you know, then things unfolded. But no, doing doing super well, man. We're, we're busy, clearly, you know, we've, we've got stuff to do. So, you know, that's that's always good. The lunatics keep on building. We're not being stopped by Exactly, anything. man. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so if you don't mind going into it, do you mind just speaking briefly about your background? What got you into crypto? How you got onto this journey? How you ended up with Kujira? Just give the overview yeah. there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So um, personally, I come from a UI development background. I, I worked kind of in a few different places in the world. And um, that's kind of how I got into tech. That that was my sort of chosen field, self-taught. I just I just kind of loved the whole um, sort of like creativity in code bit. That's why UI worked for me. Anyway, to move on from there, in 2017, actually just my a group of my best friends um, were all... They, they got into, you know, that like late 2017 mm -hmm. wave and everything was just going crazy and um, pretty much did what most people would do, kind of bought the top and rode, you know, <laughs> rode a few years down. But 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 it was an important lesson. Um, and I've since been through, you know, a couple of cycles. So it was actually just a case of I think my friends getting me into it. And then, of course, with a technology background, the two just merged and, and I just I started doing a lot more homework and research and mm. applying my skill set into 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 the blockchain area a bit more and making making contacts in that area um, until eventually got pretty embedded in the in the terror ecosystem and really found that that was great and yeah so that's kind of where it came from it was genuinely just kind of like some mates going you know th this is a cool thing and 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 yeah haven't looked back basically yeah Take a look at this magic internet money real quick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> magic minutes it. up. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's yeah, it's but but it, obviously it's 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 been awesome, even with the ups and downs. And mm -hmm. uh I think you know, you know, you, you learn a lot through all these different cycles and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it certainly has been one of the greatest learning experiences I've ever had. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was in, I was in university finishing up my uni degree and then crypto happened, and then I was just like, all right, university's fun sure i've learned some stuff there but in three months i've learned more in crypto than yeah, any of this yes exactly um, yeah. yes so moving forward a bit here what is the background story of kuji maybe your background involvement with it how did your team all meet and come together what what was the founding story of kujira yeah so it's kind of pretty interesting i think um when we when when the whole thing started as in when when there was just a kind of rumbling about liquidations there was kind of a group of us that were almost thrown together kind of by by chance or because we'd been speaking and there were a few um yeah as i say just sort of like random kind of nameless community members that started talking about liquidations in general with me being one of them and mm -hmm. we we started hashing out some some prototypes and you know trying to trying to see what could be done in that space around liquidations but it was still very much dominated by bots in other words um of course bots only go to where there's a marketplace it's not like 
you know, oh, you naughty bot, you did something. The bots are just the bots just move where there's where there's opportunity. And um, how liquidations were working and how they still work on on most lending platforms is that they kind of offered up to um, in a first come first serve manner. And you need to come along with a very fast, efficient bot and bring down that bring down these loans, bring bring down this liquidated collateral so that the lending market can become safe again. And like basically our our thinking initially was very simple. There wasn't anything complicated about about the thinking behind what we started to do. It was just, well, how can we move this model? How can we move this market from being kind of, you know, a little bit of kind of like an underground world because mm, it, it is yeah. to, to just being offered to the public um, because that feels like what decentralization and democracy is like that that feels a lot more in line with how most of the decentralized world works so we, we a couple of like relatively random um people just different people got together and you know we tried to hash some stuff out and um yeah to be honest the team really fragmented and you know they, 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 I'll, I'll i'll just be honest it just was a, a pretty bad um vibe for some reason you know like just hmm. so we just people just didn't click and it, it just didn't it didn't really work out but um i always had it in my mind who like the perfect team would be and it actually turned out to be a good thing because um the the current founder the, the founding members of kujira like are some of my really really great friends um and how we how we got in touch of course aside from uh, my, my really good friend Brett, who who we all know, he's our UX guy. Um, Hans, kind of, it was kind of a random story. Uh, I, I was just fishing around and just moving around the internet and got into this Tech London Slack group and just put out a, a completely like ridiculous message. Like, I basically have nothing to offer, but please get in touch. You know, like one of these, <laughs> and just, just like thinking no one's going to get in touch. But I think he kind of got it, and we we got chatting, and that's literally was the beginning of it we it was just this this kind of gut feel of the right people to be to be perfectly honest and ever since then in terms of the kajira team nothing has changed and those are the guys that have built everything you see today so yeah hopefully that gives a good idea but it's sort of like a mix of friends and uh serendipity i suppose in in a lot of ways that's pretty funny with hans I, I not, yeah, I yeah, not, and also I love the meme for it's like if Hans was running society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some there's some epic ones. That, yeah, no, that that's, that's, that's that just makes that makes the, me the meme all the better now that <laughs> you just you just randomly reached out over a uh, over yeah, a random, literally over like random a DM. yeah message yeah like a DM. It, it's it's crazy, but yeah, that that is the honest truth. And now obviously we're all great friends and um, doing some cool stuff. But the, honestly, I can say this: the team is just the work environment like the way we bounce off each other that is that's that's been just literally the funnest part of it all um it's been it's been really 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 amazing work environments and yeah it doesn't feel like work to be honest we we work hard but it, it's fun it's amazing to hear <laughs> yeah and you can you can see the passion behind the team and all this and all the uh the products you guys are outputting and before i, I tease too much about that you mind giving listeners who might not know much about kuji well, I mean, what is Kujira? Um, could you walk us through the evolution of the project? And then what is the inspiration behind building a chain that enables retail to have access to a lot of these different liqu liquidation features? Um, also, a, a, a full-on exchange, decentralized exchange. Just just walk us through all the, the product offerings that you guys are building. Yeah, totally. So um, 
as mentioned, it began with a liquidation protocol and what that, the initial passion of, of that protocol on Terra and that ethos of why we built it hasn't changed at all. Um, and what happened is when we were, you know, just a protocol on Terra, not that there was anything wrong with it, we were already starting to think in terms of a hub. You know, we, we, we actually launched our decks on Terra, like, I mean, quite literally um, during the chaos. But because that's that's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we're not one of those projects that like says, okay, well, let's wait for the bull run to launch something, you know, like, because we we aren't trying to build stuff just for a bull run. We're trying to build stuff. And, and I'm sure we'll expand on this later. But um, so anyway, we started by building the world's first um, public marketplace for liquidated collateral, which I know there's a there's a lot at play there. But to put it very simply, if you want to take out a loan in crypto, you put up what is called collateral. It's like this. This is my thing that backs this loan. This shows that, you know, if all goes wrong, you can take this thing that I've put up and that is used to pay back the lending market in order to keep it solvent. So whichever asset you have, um, you know, you have lent against, this needs to be paid back in the event of things going very wrong. So that's kind of all it is. Won't go into all those mechanics. So mm-hmm. we were running this liquidation um, marketplace and this protocol on Terra. And then when things unfolded, uh, we were actually speaking about this before. We decided to become a layer one on Cosmos. And the reason, well, part there's a few reasons, but part of the reason for that was that we were already in the mindset of building a hub of products, not just one product. And we, we, we imagined ourselves having... Um, protocols joining our network that shared a similar ethos now that's not to say you know we like we don't go there and say you have to share our ethos or you have to build x and y it's that's not how it works the Mm -hmm. community actually decides what other projects build on the chain but just to explain like to go back to your question the reason why we did this was because of that initial ethos from the beginning we want to be able to try and give people like a safe in, a safe environment, you know, not not one that's pumped up by nonsense and and you know can't really be backed by anything. The liquidation protocol proved that, right? Like, so here here's a whole new marketplace. You, you as a person, as someone with a wallet and you know some stable coin in your wallet, were never ever ever able to benefit from these hundreds of millions, sometimes billions of dollars in liquidations that mm-hmm. happen. So this is the ethos that we're trying. To bring out in everything we do, you know, can can we can we move forward and build an entire chain, an entire hub, an entire network of products that enable people to put their money in a safe and sustainable way and actually get returns on that money and be able to do various things with that money that you know potentially you can't do elsewhere. And it's also it's not really just about trying to compete with everyone. I think. I think it's it's the idea that the whole of the Kujira network can be a place where you can, as I say, come along and put your money to work in an environment that you can actually feel safe and trusted in, which, you know, I think we can all agree that's sometimes a bit lacking and that's, that's no knock to anyone else. So, yeah, it's that same ethos that took us from there and then. When, when all those events unfolded with Terra, it was actually quite an easy choice because we realized we were already heading towards this idea of being, you know, like I said, like a hub, like somewhere where you can go and do a whole bunch of stuff with your money. And it's 
at, at very least it's been uh, community vetted which is and and they're pretty hardcore and you know you've, <laughs> but yeah so it's a bit of a long answer to that but yeah that's 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 what it is no, that's fascinating and for people to, to get some idea here essentially you're giving people the option to get uh spot assets for a discount and yeah. just having access to liquidations i mean that that is amazing you can get four or five percent cheaper on whatever asset it was and it was luna at one point and people using it then arbitrage so they're making even more money on top of that yeah. and that was the game there um but regardless you know looking forward here and seeing why you guys are building out this application application specific blockchain i think it just makes sense because you guys are trying to offer all these different dApps and products and you want to eventually expand to other protocols that might potentially fit with the ethos or just in the general guideline fit with the ethos um and you know we saw with terra being kind of unique in the whole cosmos world as it was more typical of a, of a of a standard layer one similar to something like ethereum where it wasn't you know pro application specific it was more of a broad base and people are building layer yeah. twos or whatever off of that and that eventually it, it comes down to you know this whole collapse happened and we're in the cosmos ecosystem and there's other cosmos you know dApps and people are moving on people are all over the place and i think that you guys moving on to build your own chain you know makes the most sense because i think you guys have a scalability feature here you guys know what you want you know like what the target demographic is you know what you want to build um, and I, I think certainly it is a, a, a big welcome to, uh, with open arms to the rest of the Cosmos worlds. I know a lot of cosmonauts or whatever they call themselves are very excited about, <laughs> very excited about all of this. Um, yeah, thanks, Rick. Yeah, we've yeah. been received super well. So yeah, we, we stoked. Absolutely. And then I do want to go a little bit back, actually. And I want to bring listeners a little bit through the experience with the collapse of Terra. And maybe just walk us through what was going on in your mind maybe the other development member, development team members' minds during that moment. What were you guys thinking during the crash? What was the community doing? How are you speaking to the community? Maybe some of the lessons learned through that experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was a bit of a blur, to be honest. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, naturally, it was a crazy time. We all wanted to believe that everything would, would turn around. Um, and I think that was probably the hardest thing to kind of let go of. I'm not saying it's not going to ultimately, by the way, I'm not, I don't want to make any sort of predictions. And I know we've got some great friends and builders in, in, in both the, the, the Lunk and the new like Terra two communities. And that's great. So that's awesome. Um, but just in terms of where we were at at that time in mm -hmm. our decision. Um, yeah. It, um, I think staying kind of staying true to, your own goals i think was probably something that i i'd like to think we managed to do pretty well um i think we kind of we saw what was happening we realized that we needed to make a quick call like we didn't want to wait too long we didn't want to it's just not in us i think you probably know that by now like i think us sitting on the fence for a month would have just killed us i think we would have been we would have been worse off had we have done that, I'm not even talking about financially, just mentally. Mm -hmm. I think we, um, for us, we just absolutely needed to dive in and 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 do something. That's that's what we do. We have to, we have to move forward. We have to build. That's not just like a something you say on Twitter or whatever. That just uh, genuinely is like the way we work. Um, and I think we're lucky enough to work in this industry where, you know, we're not we're, we're not told by some boss or someone or other that. You know, you have to wait for for things to happen. So yeah, it was a very very tough time. Obviously, we took a pretty big haircut on our funds, but we did make a call. <laughs> I don't want to say early on, but early enough on to make sure that you know we at least covered ourselves. 
Um, so I don't know. I, I, it's hard to think what the advice was. It was so crazy. You know, we were still shipping products and um, everything was kind of falling apart around us and everyone around us was falling apart around us. And it, it just, it was just completely nuts. Um, and, and I honestly think, uh, I mean, we were in, I think everyone was in shock. I remember waking up, I think 10 or 12 days after that and just going like, wow, like this, this actually just happened, you know? Uh-huh. And I, I, I think we were all, I think we can probably all relate to that. So like, seriously, Rick, like for me to even recount, like, you know what I mean? Like the, it, it, it's, it, it was just completely mental. It's completely bizarre, almost like an out of world experience. And I sort of looked back on the last two weeks and went like, did this, and I, I was reminding myself that this actually happened. So yeah, it was a strange mental thing. And, you know, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that as well. Yeah. No, it was the weirdest week, two weeks, because there yeah. I was, I was building this project. It was starting to get a little bit of momentum. And it's just like, what do I do now? And I just looked yeah. down. I remember, I remember I had, three days after the crash, I had a dream. And it was Luna was at $300 in my dream. <laughs> like, I wake up. I'm like, why why, why did I have that dream? That's when you know. That's when you know you're, yeah. too, much of, you're too far deep as a lunatic. Um, yeah. It really was just just breathtaking. And I was, yeah. I, I've told the story a couple of times in the pod now. But, um, you know, I was sitting in a Zoom call just, just like this or whatever uh, with a couple other lunatics when the peg went down to 60 cents. And it was that one wick. And we saw USD gone to 60 cents. We all just looked at each other and I said, it's over. I mean, I knew yeah. it was over then. And obviously, uh, big respect to the people who are um who are burning the lunk or whatever they're doing and then yeah. uh, and then whoever the, the teams that are dedicated to building uh, decentralized applications on um luna and then you know there's all the controversy there and i you know sure yeah right so but regardless you know respect to those guys as well but um it really was just just a blur as you mentioned it was a blur and for a month i don't think it really i don't think it settled in, in me personally until a month later no. i just yeah that's it, basically what i mean it was that's it. And, and I, I, I realized I didn't completely answer the question, but that, that, that is the reason it was just so nuts that, but, but the one thing we did, like we had kind of our North star, we had spoken about, I think luckily we had spoken about becoming um, an L1. We had started exploring that. It was just completely by chance. <clears throat> A few weeks before we had, we were, you know, we were hashing nothing, yeah, you know, hang on. We are, we are sort of, it seems like we're heading in this direction where, we have a whole suite of products where we could take, you know, where we could be a home for, for other protocols. And we had this ethos already. And we, we probably felt like this ethos couldn't really, like it, we couldn't really just launch that on a chain, right? Because it's like, mm. how do how do you take like a hub into another hub? And then right. it just, and, and especially after what happened, it's like, well, if we're not the masters of our own destiny, then what, like, what is the point? Right. Mm. So yeah, that that's probably, um, why we we were just so quick to jump on that? Yeah, it makes sense. And then I know we we mentioned some of the negatives there, but I feel as if every project I've spoken to, a lot of the NFT collections and, and a couple one other DAP um, coming out of it, the lessons they learned as project leaders. I guess you personally, what was one of the most important takeaways you had through that entire experience? Um, <clears throat> in terms of the the moving on. Any lessons you learned, whether it's from a leadership perspective, a technical yeah. perspective, a build project building perspective? I think um, we, I, I'm really happy that we stuck to our guns and that we carried on building throughout all of it um, because I believe, and this is sort of like technical and leadership, um, we made sure that 
we were very upfront with people. We made sure that we were, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but I think we were the very first to actually come out with our position. It doesn't matter if we, not that I care, it's not a race, but the, the point is that we were, we made sure that we got together as a team mm -hmm. very, very quickly and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to approach it. And I think, I think that communication, well, we still get sort of um, good, good feedback from that to this day. So I think being clear, being just, I don't know, just be honest, right? Like right. I think we were just honest, like this has happened and we're going to try something else. Um, it seemed like a lot of people just, just completely froze, which, which is totally understandable. But I personally just don't see um, how that benefits. I, I just think that if you could just communicate, you could just be honest. You know, we were there in the Telegram talking personally, like, which we still do. I don't know. Just just be a little bit more human. Just be real. You know, if you wrecked, you wrecked. You know, you come out and you say, damn, like we we had all of our UST wiped out. And here's our, you know, here's the address to prove it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, um, so I think that's probably the main thing, just kind of sticking to, okay, we want to build, we want to keep moving forward. And we also want to keep the communication channels open and make sure that, and it wasn't perfect. You know, we got tons of FUD, like um, MEXC carried on trading the token after um, after our snapshots. And that was just a complete disaster not to FUD them on that because they did much, much later rectified and they, they mm -hmm. have a kind of refund program. But yeah, so what I mean by that is never the outcome's never going to be perfect, but I feel yeah. like it's probably better than going into a shell and whatever. So yeah, perhaps it, for whatever it's worth, my lesson would be to like stick to your guns, be honest, be open, and carry keep the communication lines open because that's like that's kind of a big, a big part of crypto, right? People rely on these. It's not like in the you you buy a facebook stock you know you don't have like someone in the company messaging you on telegram saying hey man are you are you okay can we help you it's we have a yeah. huge benefit in this community yeah. and we, we should use it more i wish i wish zuck was just messaging me all day <laughs> all day every day yeah. but you're you definitely a great point there you bring up and that is clear communication I've, I've heard that come up a few times where people mentioning some of the big takeaways and now that they didn't have enough clear communication they regret it and that was one of the big leadership points that they took away you know in the future when projects go through crises you need to have that action plan um yeah. but you're also the humanizing aspect of it as well you, you were here for the community that's one of the big things of web3 is that it is so easy to have get in touch with project founders and and community leaders and even if it's someone as big as vitalik you're probably going to know someone who might know vitalik if you're that involved with ethereum for example or you're going to you're going to find some way throughout the, the broader web of of uh, social connections that people are all going to be speaking to each other and they're all going to be talking, collaborating on these ideas and, and big ideas moving forward and recovery plans. And so, yeah, definitely, definitely a great lesson that you have there. And um, I appreciate you sharing that with everyone. I want to bring everyone to something that's important to GraviDAO and that is governance. And so when we focus on enabling decentralized governance, more so for, you know, smaller communities, maybe NFT collections, all of that, um, but also thinking a little bit more with the broader world as well. Um, so Kujira, now that you guys have moved from more of a DAP or ADAP into your own L1 blockchain. What is that process now looking like for governance? Uh, same forums? Is it more crowded, less crowded? Are the conversations different? What's the difference between those two? Yeah. So admittedly, Rick, um, we probably have some lessons to learn from people like yourselves. Um, we, 
we went through the whole process in seven it was seven weeks from kind of like the time we said okay we're gonna go l1 to when we launched and there was you can imagine so many things that were um that had to happen in that time but so okay our governance has been interesting in that there's been a lot of activity i think we i think we we've had our 21st proposal passed well not passed go up today um in uh 30 i think 31 days or hmm. something like that anyway so so how kujira works is that it's a semi permission chain i know some people are kind of quick to rule out the the word semi in there and it's kind of it, it can be kind of frustrating even though it's funny um <laughs> but um so people seem to think it's either like permissionless or just like you know we we are making the rules and it's, mm -hmm. it's not the case so how kujira works and this is literally from a, it's not it's not like a it's not an idea. It's literally so. If some, if you wanted, if Rick, if you wanted to come along and build a protocol, you've got to start with governance, and only once that governance passes, are you actually even able to interact with the contract. So it's mm. not, and and it's obviously the community that are voting for that. So it's got very little to do with the team, and very little to do with you know like a kind of overarching, um, whatever, like like something that we are imposing on people, but to 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 go back to like what's been happening with governance we've been very encouraged the community have been amazing so how it's working currently we are going to launch uh, an official forum but in our discord we have um a project pr uh, proposals uh, channel and then we have a channel per one of those projects that is proposing something and they have as long as they want to chat in there to you know post their own little you know, medium articles to talk about why it is that they either need funding or that they need to launch some kind of contract on the chain. And yeah, so there's there's all this kind of discourse that happens. And then when they feel ready, they then post onto our um on our on our app blue, blue.kujira.app. Mm -hmm. Um they are then able to submit a governance proposal and at the moment, it's got a 48 hour window. Um, and, you know, this is all stuff that we are, we learning, all the validators are giving us tons of feedback, the community is giving us tons of feedback. But at the moment, that's how it works. So yeah, we, we are, the honest truth is we're trying our best to find that perfect balance. But you know, it's not easy. And, 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 but this is a good thing, like everyone has inputs. And every time there's some input, we're trying to, you know, incrementally, make sure that we get this right but yeah as i say like this is the kind of stuff people like you guys you, you're doing like pretty much governance structures day in and day out right mm -hmm. we are like building applications like uh, dealing with all sorts of people on calls to try and get more markets for orca um you know obviously constantly improving products looking at the growth of kujira in general um yeah so we don't want governance to get left um, by the wayside, but yeah, it's it's been uh, th that's basically where we've got to so far. And yeah, there's still tons of stuff that we're going to improve. Mm -hmm. But basically, the community decide on any any anything that happens, whether it be I don't know, just some random contract being deployed, some kind of upgrade, or more probably more importantly, people applying for actual funding and and, and coming through the network. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I I personally used to work with a 
uh, music web three application or intern with them for a bit and their whole ethos they weren't a DAO quite yet but they wanted to create what they called a curation DAO, which is very simple so they wanted to bring in artists who were approved by the community and so or and this is usually i think some of it was leadership as well but for the most part if you were an artist and you wanted to come in and join the platform you had to go through a curation process community driven so semi permissionless you know <laughs> definitely some people might find that to be um a mixed word because I think there is a permissionless aspect to that because anyone can apply, right? So, exactly. Yeah. Right. Once again, you know, the whole, the whole governance world, we're still we're still developing these formats and we're still trying to figure out what's the best way to do it. And you, you guys are building products and governance is an entirely new concept with DAOs. Um, trying to figure out how decentralization can work in these Web3 models. We don't really know quite yet because it's yeah. only been about six years since the first DAO was created. And we've seen some of the issues uh, with the first iterations being that they often either are very uh, anarchy. Uh, they, they resemble essentially anarchy and that is anyone can have a vote and it, sometimes they might not like what you're doing and they can try to take over the network and you can have certain bad actors. Uh, there's no yeah. sort or you might have people who are voting on issues that they have no expertise on. Uh, and there's also aspects of people try to create highly organized DAOs where they basically look like and emulate our current institutions, which are having issues at coordinating, uh, which is never good. Totally, yeah. Right. So, yeah, it, it is It is one of those areas that I look forward to seeing how you guys come up with this because I think you are on the right path in terms of the ethos and the, and the vibe you want to bring to Kujira. And then eventually seeing how you're going to translate this into the broader DAO. I am looking forward to that. And so right now, is it the validators who are, who are voting similar to what was going on Terra? Yeah, so um, we think it's pretty cool. So how it works is if if you as an individual stake a vote, then your vote takes preference. And if you don't vote, then the vote of your validator will count as your mm. vote, basically. So we would like to think that's pretty cool because, you know, you as the individual still get your say. But if you if you don't say it, then, of course, the person that you've entrusted your your stake with kind of must take over it may not be perfect I'm, I'm not sure i mean as 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 you as you just said now rick like it's it's a very hard thing it's it's like uh why why haven't the world's governments just right. you know made the world perfect you know like exactly it's, it's it's clearly 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 not as easy as as it may sound but yeah so so anyway yeah that's how ours work you as an individual or vote if you don't your your validators votes um uh takes care of that for you and we make that pretty clear in the ui and all that so people understand it's a ton of trial and error and seeing what works it, and totally. what doesn't and what breaks and yeah i think and at i'm this happy point, to admit right. that it's could be wrong yeah yeah exactly right but you know how do you know it's wrong i mean you gotta you gotta kind of go down the path and people can adjust that's the beauty of it too is the community will be willing to adjust yeah, and yeah. people are flexible i want to then move on to some of the medium and longer term visions of kujira here so We'll start with medium term. What are the sorts of things that people can look forward to? What what kinds of developments should individuals look out for? And then we can talk about maybe the long-term ultimate visions of what you guys want to see the network look like. But we'll start with maybe the medium to shorter term. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in the medium term, I think, or the short to, to medium term, I think that we need to understand that we need to get a lot of talent onto the network. Um, not that we want to, you know, have 2000 protocols on the network. That's actually not, well, look, it, like I said, if it happens by a government, by governance, then it happens and mm -hmm. then that's okay. But 
from from the internal team's perspective for what it's worth we would love to see more protocols that that are concentrating on other like real world application and and probably more importantly a way to actually generate revenue mm. um so the the issue i see happening is that often you get these crypto projects that come along and it's usually in a bull run or in the, in the lead up to a bull run. And basically what it is, is it's like an, an AMM, which, you know, I, I have nothing against. I just, I think what I have against it is 99.9% .9 of people just, you know, launching an AMM, printing a, a zillion tokens, giving those away and then hoping, you know, basically, let's be honest, by the end of the bull run that they've made a bit of money and that, you know, they can drift off into the sunset. Um, I, I just don't, I personally just don't see how that looks to be a viable thing. If you're in the real world and imagine, imagine you and I like had control in some way over five companies, we wouldn't be hoping that every summer they're busy and then they just go home after that. Like we'd be hoping that there was an actual business case for them. Like they could actually generate revenue, right? Real revenue. Mm -hmm. So I think real world might not be the right trick, but yeah, so I think in the medium term, it needs to look like getting getting good developers in, getting good talents in, building much like you no, know, much like most blockchains. You you always hear that like it starts with the talents and and all the rest of it. So you know we've heard that all before. So this is like nothing particularly novel. But I think the the novel bit for us is going to be when we have these incubation programs and and this is something that's being worked on right now. Um, we are going to be putting a strong focus on the actual revenue and business case of these models rather than I think, and, and I mean, I've seen it from the other side, from investor side, rather than the other side, that's like, Hey, well, will this sort of like, will this thing moon in, in a month in a bull run, you know, because um, that's, that just seems kind of short-sighted. So yeah, without, without, I'm not trying to pull anything apart in there, but I think it's important. So yeah, I think the short, the, like the medium, term shall right. we say is to yeah i think is to try and concentrate on bringing in these these talented individuals that have this vision for for a sustainable future in crypto mm -hmm. because i think that's important like everything just crashing in a in a in a bear market and everyone like it just doesn't seem good um and and it is possible right like i mean something like orca is it like if if you can build a product that actually works when things are bad and and can work when things are good then you're onto something so it's not it's not a completely ridiculous thing to imagine sure revenues will will maybe drop but that's kind of the idea and on top of that as a, as a team we're not just um sitting back and like waiting for protocols uh, obviously we're going to be launching orca in as many new markets as we can as well as fin the deck so mm -hmm. from from our point of view we will keep keep on building in, and, and expanding into any markets that we can, whether that be cross-chain or or um, within within the Cosmos ecosystem. So yeah, medium term, uh, integrate with as many Cosmos and uh, cross-chain markets as we can for Orca and Fin and all the rest of it. And then at the same time, make sure that we create this really friendly and funded home for good talents and people that want to build mm -hmm. uh, projects that can 
sustain some revenue in um in the long term wait i want to interrupt yeah. you real quick actually yeah yeah please so please. I, there was a question earlier that i accidentally skipped over that i did want to ask you and it was looking at the current DeFi landscape and you mentioned right there that you want to create internal revenue and drive it as if it's a business model and i think that yeah. is i mean that, i think that's going to relate to that to your answer to that question there and i don't know if you yeah. want to expand off of that at all but i mean i see that as the largest problem with DeFi, and that is in some of these protocols people print up x amount of tokens and they hand them away like candy to incentivize yeah. users and they offer ridiculous apys yeah, uh, yeah. and then <laughs> when the bull market's over everyone's going to dump these tokens and the last one who's out is the one with the uh, raw end of the deal well that's it's not it. it's not sustainable yeah. well that's that's it and like you, you 100% so um, imagine that like in the real world, like just imagine, imagine you're running around. I don't know, like it's just, can you imagine that even being a thing? And I'm not saying the real world is perfect. Of course, there's plenty of problems. And that ironically is why DeFi came along. So um, people wanted to try and better what was going on in the everyday world with all the financial problems, um, the institutional problems that we have, people literally printing money to, you know, like, I mean, come on. Right. At some point, it starts ringing a bit huh. of a bell. <laughs> like, and, and most of these, like, these same people are, you know, um, obviously fiercely against these current systems, except what do you do? Go off, create an AMM, give people a whole bunch of tokens and just hope that the hype of the, I don't know, the sort of marketing um, aspects around your project keeps the um, sentimental buying of mm -hmm. your token above the selling of the inflation, which is, I'm sorry to say, that's literally all it is. It's like you, you and most of the time, and no one's like no one can get away from this. I mean, I'm no like genius trader or everything, not by any means. And I've tried liquidity pools. I, 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 I'm sure, and I know, I know that there's farmers that are very good at this. Respect, but I'm pretty sure the average Joe is drowning in in, in permanent loss and doesn't really understand why. And I've seen this. I've seen this. Mm. But when we started out having to have a liquidity pool, um. I saw this, you know, I, I, I spent most of my day explaining to people why they have, you know, less tokens than when they started. And it's just, it's kind of heartbreaking. So um, I don't want to, I mean, I, I know I'm getting pretty fired up, but I, I like, I don't necessarily want to dunk on that, but I, I, I think let's be real. Like, let's just be real. You know, you sticking like 50% of each token into some pool and hoping for the best. I just, I'm just hoping that over the next few cycles, people are going to understand that maybe there's actual revenue to be gained rather than a hope of a of of an inflated token that hopefully will go up in value, mm -hmm. hopefully in a bull run. You know what I mean? Those there's too many hopefuls in that. So yeah, this is something that we like. This is something we brutal over internally. Um, it's like. The, the, I mean, the chain and people laugh at it, you know, right now there's like a 0.5% APR, but that's okay because we're going to work our right. asses off until it gets to maybe six, seven, eight. And that is like, sustainable that is revenue that that's will real. happen for the next 10 years. So yeah, you know, yeah. or 20, it doesn't matter. It can keep going. So, you know, it's a good challenge. It's a good challenge for us. And I, be, I, I truly believe that we can do it. And if we can't do it, then why are other companies doing it, you know, 365 days a year and managing mm. 
really, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of nonsense. And I think, I think people have gotten away with a lot for, for, for a very long time. And I, I do think, um, I do think that that's going to change. I, I'm, I'm kind of seeing it like the same. And if we, if we can be a small part in the, in that mental change of people going, hang on, like stop the bus. Um, they should, like people should actually be a little bit accountable or like, you know, you should actually show us that you can make revenue before giving away an APR. Then, yeah. then in happy days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you start with a 0.5% there and so what? I mean, you guys are generating real revenue there. This is, yeah, this is real. It's not, it's not print some tokens yeah. and bring it out. It's, you know, this is, this is all internal network uh, incentive as well as, you know, I, it, it, there's a whole education aspect to this in DeFi that really, I don't know if it frustrates me or it's just the fact that we're all so new to this, but it's that people don't quite understand the risks of things like impermanent loss. And it's, it's sad and it is frustrating seeing people look at this down and, and there, I won't name specific projects, but you look at some of these play to earn games, for example, and there was no internal revenue driving it, or it was a play to earn game that was very DeFi heavy. And the, the main token went, went the bus and people were taking major impermanent losses because it was one of the largest yield farms that they were um, taking money out of. So it, it, it's tough. It is tough to witness yeah. it. And it, it is one of the frustrating things about DeFi. And I've seen, I mean, I've seen, uh, once again, I won't name names, but I've seen full on funds trying to create uh, yield farm funds that are taking yields. And it's, it's just trying to understand. It's like, you guys do realize this isn't, I mean, this is just inflationary incentives here. So what is the long-term sustainability of this? Where's the money coming from? And how do you manage downside risk? And there's really no answer to that in a lot of these cases for for deep, for a lot of these DeFi-specific protocols. Um, so once again, I am, I'm incredibly happy with how you answer that. Uh, I, I'm, very, I'm very excited because I do think that is like the number one problem that DeFi needs to account for. And, and maybe even just a lot of Web3 specific applications in general is finding some sort of internal driver, whether people are, are buying back tokens through some sort of external source of funding, whether it might be through advertisement or whatever it is, but running it more like, you know, taking some inspiration. I don't want to say become like a Web2 model. Obviously don't do that. But taking some yeah. inspiration maybe from Web2, don't do the data mining either. We don't want that. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, no, exactly. Right, no, right. No, right. No. But... But, but they, finding they some, caps. Yeah, right. they caps. exactly finding ways to to bring in some internal revenue, run it a little bit like a business in that nature, and bring internal demand. Um, I don't want to keep I don't want to keep harboring that point there, but once again, yeah, incredibly no, excited I'm, to hear that yeah, you guys yeah. are you guys are specifically trying to address that issue and are looking for the long term to create a sustainable system where the yields are sustainable and everything is it, it's built it's built for downturns and crises, which is something that I think is really desperately needed in the space. Um, and then I know I interrupted you right in the middle of the story there, so if you wanted to keep going, you know, bring us into the long term vision of Kujira. What do you guys hope to see one day? I know it's tough to predict the end goal, but yeah, what is that dream to you? So we've had um, what we would love to actually see. You know, people are saying, "Oh, we're an app chain," or this and that. Actually, what we would re the what we would love to be a part of is bringing the next billion people into crypto, but not into the, this world we just spoke about now. You mm -hmm. know, can you imagine? This is and this is part of the ultimate problem we just spoke about can you imagine hey joe come on over there like i don't know you're a runner from new york like why don't you just dive in okay just dive into this the first person someone's going to dive into this liquidity pool oh whoops i've i've come out with half the tokens i put in mm. so yeah i think the long-term vision is genuinely some kind of 
decentralized commerce that actually works. So there's kind of a few parts to that. Part of it is bringing people from outside into this hopefully bulletproof and sustainable hub that we believe we can create so that, you know, obviously parts of it are yet to be proven, but that's, that's a big part of it. The other part of it is to try and offer um, infrastructure. I think especially initially to emerging markets um, where, and, and I've said this a, a few times before, but I'll say it again, like, uh, like in South Africa, for example, mm-hmm. I, I think it has the highest capital of people with mobile phones in the world, you really? know, and, and you know, it's like 90% of the country are in like sort of dire poverty. So you, you have these situations, you know, you have these markets where people kind of have, they have a phone and that's kind of all you need, right? That's all you need actually to, to interact. So we, we probably like what we've been speaking about is a true, decentralized commerce experience yes on one side it would be for businesses fine to be able to to run their businesses and um actually a lot of the team members have quite quite an unusual amount of experience in point of sale and things like that so Mm -hmm. that's going to be helpful but i think just in terms of the end user to be able to give them something that boom just with their phone boom they tap it on you know kujira has like a two second block time you know in in two seconds that block is done and that's all you really need, which will be incorporated into our wallets, um, our native, our native wallets. And so that's obviously a very big, like that's, that's like a, you know, um, help with a water crisis kind of level mm. um, goal, but it's something that, that that's our North star. Like that's something that we want to achieve. And it's pretty helpful. We, you know, we have projects like local who are, are based lo- largely in South America and, you know, mm-hmm. they are dealing with, and it's fascinating talking to them because they talk about how important peer to peer is right. Like for, for people like us, where we live, it's like, what the hell, but this is like a insanely massive market out there of people that are still, you know, having to trade in this way. And those countries often have like really bad inflation. And, you know, we all know the, the, the tricky business. So this, this could be like DeFi for actual good, you know, like mm. hopefully we can, and, and yeah, there's a lot of people tackling that and all the rest of it, but we don't see any reason why with our skills and, 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 you know, what we know about these, these sort of regions that we can't be certainly a very big part of that. We don't have to be the only player. Like we just, we just need to be a part of something that's actually creating good rather than, like we said before, hey, come in and probably lose half your tokens and probably get dejected. And it all and, and it sort of just goes through these bull cycles that eventually is going to end, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, will be bad for speculators and good for everyone else kind of thing. But yeah, uh, we probably, I, I believe we're probably entering what's going to be the last few cycles of just utter mayhem. And, and it should well regulation is probably going to do its thing but you know not just that just people getting a bit wiser and you know just a combination of things that should lead to something so yeah Mm -hmm. we'd rather be at the forefront of something real than something that's pumped up for you know a couple of months or something agreed and i think it was the bankless guys i was listening to the other day and they were speaking about the whole idea of fees and and bringing revenue in they said they think that's gonna be the next big trend for the next cycle and i think that's the sign of, of maturation right there i mean 
that means you're a mature product if you are generating all of all of this actual value accrual. It's not just speculatory, and you're going to be able to do some great work uh, just outside of that. You can expand it's a proper business now. You can you can build for the longer term, and you can prepare for the future. And then also big fan of the of the local guys. Um, I know that's that's a little they've uh, they were building pretty quiet on Terra. And then yeah. uh, I think I spoke to Midas. I think it was Midas about them. I know he's very excited about what locals building. I just, yeah, that, that's, yeah. The kind, that's the kind of things I want to see. I mean, that's that's the type of DeFi I want to see empowered and and, and being that's built. It, right? Yeah, like I mean, that, and that's what I meant earlier. Like there are there are gaps here. You know, you mm-hmm. don't you don't have to. I don't know if that's one thing that anyone takes away. Like you don't have to just go. Oh, let's like I say, just build another a- AMM. Like that's literally the the only thing we see in crypto. Like why not? why not bridge bridge worlds where you can you know like look look at stuff that happens in the real world look at those problems and then do it you know and then we've got yeah some interesting stuff like if i can mention black whale doing the market making as a service i think that's really clever because mm-hmm. the real I, I i saw I, like i saw a tweet today and it, i suppose it was relevant relevant with saying like you know AMMs are trying to act more like order books and order books are now trying to like take some stuff from AMMs. But I, I was like, okay, I kind of got the point, but my, um, order books have always needed market making. And that's just, that's just a reality. And I, to be honest, the difference between, I can tell you straight, the difference between either paying for someone to market make on your network or supplying the liquidity to an AMM are like drastically different. Mm. And what happens with the AMM is you're not, I mean, with the order book is that you're not actually, you're not faking kind of like overall volume. You're actually just making sure that the book runs smoothly. So anyway, I think it's a cool thing that Black Whale are also bringing on. This is again, this is something um, I think they tweeted today. I think they were like 30% APR in the last few weeks. You know, they hmm. they're able to make some good gains and it actually helped, but at the same time, it helps the, the charts. So like, these are sort of like these add-on services that I see being pretty cool because again, if you and I can go in, okay, if I can put a bit of money into Black Whale and go, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm 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 a I'm I'm helping the decks of the network that I'm on and I'm helping keep things stable and um the spreads nice and tight and all that. And and again, that's an education thing, like you mentioned, Rick. Got it. The education is super important. Mm-hmm. Then we've got Calc Finance who are coming along and building really good DCA tools, which are going to on and off ramp via Cato money. So that's quite mm-hmm. a cool thing. You know, algorithms again. If I'm a relative novice, we spoke about someone, um, you know, the whole like you can be the whale, um, you don't have to. We we would we would just like to have this. So Kelk Finance come along, okay, I put a bit of money into Black Whale. Um, I might be someone in these countries that relies on peer-to-peer with local. Um, and then, you know, I come along with, you know, with Kelk Finance and I can just DCA because I'm not a trader, you know. I'm, I'm not going to know where the where the relative bottoms and tops are. And I, frankly, I've got a job somewhere else. So, yeah, I think all this is being geared towards um outsiders which is another campaign that we're running and we're going to do a lot of stuff to actually get our name out there and and hopefully bring in new people but yeah it's 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 all these kind of tools that hopefully we can offer to people um yeah and they and they won't be totally foreign and weird it's an incredibly ambitious vision but i love that you guys i think you guys have the bedrock of what it requires and how you want to envision the future of DeFi, and and I feel good about seeing it all play out, especially seeing how this all might interact with the cosmos, the broader world there, 
how uh, we'll see what things happen when the merge eventually happens for Ethereum. That might set the risk-free rate, which could also bring a whole entire new era of DeFi and the institutional aspect. And hopefully that ends up being for the for the best and, and that um, in the entire financial industry and the future of money, the future of finance. Dove, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I have one more question for you. And this is more of a personal related question just to get you know, just get to know you a little bit outside of crypto. And so if you mind me asking, what is your favorite sports team? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. So I'm going to take a huge heap of flack for this, but I have to be honest. And the reason I say I'll take flack is because I'm obviously South African born, but I spent a ton of time in England, um, like, you know, became a British citizen and all the rest of it for whatever it's worth. But yeah, during my time there, I played a bunch of cricket, which is like some funny game where you mm-hmm. just ball with a straight, yeah, like it's a funny angled bat. But um, the England cricket team, to be honest, is is like, is my favorite at the moment. That's, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, you have no idea, like the, <laughs> the flat car tape is saying that. But well, cricket's huge in South Africa, isn't it? It's huge there. Right. It's huge in England. It's huge in Australia. Right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. I, I love rugby too. Um, I'm, you know, I watch a bit of football and or soccer. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's they 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 my boys at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think your friends at home in South Africa might uh <laughs> might give you, you some no banter idea. for that one. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be mental. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Also, what's your favorite soccer team? Football team. I'm curious. Well, um, yeah, that's a good point. I like the Spurs. You know, I've I've never been a huge, but the 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 Tottenham Hotspurs, mm-hmm. uh, UK team. Yeah, they they they're my favorite team. A couple of my good mates got me into it, um, and yeah, I, I I like to follow them. I'm a big they're, Everton they're, fan. I'm I'm very much oh nice. Actually. Yeah, so I'm I'm a huge Everton fan. So I'm, just oh curious wicked, enough. wicked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go, yeah. No, and it Spurs. happens to be with Harry Kane. Yeah, Spurs. I mean, mm-hmm. they they never really get anywhere, but it's kind of a fun <laughs> team to support. They're one of those teams that they're they're the underdogs, but they're not. You know, exactly. they're, they're like, they 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 give it an entertaining run. You know, they they always totally. they always put up a good a good showing, and they're not always winning the leagues. So you're not a total. You know, I have a lot of American friends who are like, I'm a Man City fan. I'm like, really? Exactly. The yeah, bandwagon, awesome. Fairweather, always the Fairweather fans. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, my final... you can be safe that you, you're not <laughs> right. really going to be. You know, yeah, no safe. one can make fun of you if you're always winning, I guess. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> my final uh, my final point here for you, Dove, where should listeners go learn more about Kujira? How do they get involved with the community? And then where can they go to follow you? Yeah, good point. So um, Kujira, K-U-J-I-R-A dot app dot A-P-P. Um, you'll find all the links like either in the in the header or the footer, but what I would probably suggest is go through the medium articles, especially the last four or five. They, they're never long reads. They, they're mm-hmm. probably like five minutes a shot. And that'll give you a very good idea of, I don't know, first of all, like technical stuff, like how to migrate your tokens or how to trade on Fin, or all these things. Um, but then some other kind of lighter stuff. And even if you go through the past articles, but probably I would say, um, come into our telegram or discord you know we we really are active we we don't just have we've got some amazing mods and amazing the wider team is fantastic and actually we don't have any mods right like um i don't know if maybe this is something that separates us or not but it doesn't matter like i'm v- personally very active on it all the time so like yeah like just 
pop into Telegram or Discord, um, linked to from our website or from our mm -hmm. Twitter accounts, uh, Team Kujira, at Team Kujira. And yeah, just come in and chat to us. That That's probably the best thing I could say. Like, we're not we're not distant. Like, we'd love to just chat to you. And I know people have loads of questions and crypto can be a bit scary and you need to be a bit wary. So yeah, probably the best thing I can say is come right into our chats. Chat with like me or someone in, 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 the, in the direct team. Uh, you're not going to feel like it's some kind of stranger, you know, that doesn't know what they're doing. We, we're all on the same page. So yeah, mm -hmm. please pop into those channels. And yeah, we'd, we'd love to chat and, and help in any way. Very nice. And to anyone listening or watching, I will make sure to have any links to get in touch with the Kuji team in the show notes. Dove, it was a pleasure to have you on the Gravidow podcast. Fantastic conversation. I'm really looking Amazing. forward to seeing how the project gets built from here on out.